I'm as ready as I'm going to get. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Better than the pay-per-view. Welcome, everybody, once again to the Power Patron tier on patreon.com slash WrestleCopia, and this is the Power Hour. I'm your host, Ray Russell. Joining me, Steve Ekstat, who doesn't want to be here, but because he's such a great friend, he's joining us anyway here as we talk about the fallout, the re- as we review the WWE Survivor Series 2020 in, in rapid fashion. Yeah, I don't think two words have been spoken, man. I don't want to be here, but I'm here, so... Here we are. We're here for you, the fans, and that's pretty much the only reason we're here at this point, because I would have turned that shit off long, long ago. Oh, yeah. I'm right there with you, man. So let's talk pay-per-view. Let's get through this thing. It's a power hour. I want to make it a power hour. No, None of this AEW 90-minute shit, especially for this pay-per-view. I don't even know if that's possible, but we'll try to run through this as fast as we can. As you can tell, we're very pleased with the product, and I really can't wait to hear... Uh, Dave Meltzer's take, Jim Cornette's take on this thing, because it wasn't bad in the sense of a lot of stupid shit. It was just boring as hell. And so let's let's kick things off with the pre-show. I turned on the pre-show about 20 minutes to go in the in the, the pre-show for the Survivor Series. What was the first match on the show, Steve? Uh, I was actually getting dinner, and uh, I missed the, <laughs> the 24-7 bit, but I did, I did check the Battle Royal. I saw the Battle Royals. Uh, see, I was, just trying to, I was just trying to trick to you. I was trying to have and enjoy it. Yeah, I was just trying to have a little fun. I was, I was trying to trick you. I wanted to goad you into saying the Battle Royals so I could correct you and tell you, no, it was the gobbledygooker or, or some some form of the gobbledygooker winning the WWE 24-7 <laughs> championship. And uh, he proclaimed as he won the belt, gobble, gobble, baby. So that's the gobbledygooker in 2020, the 24-7 champion on the pre-show. We do go into a Battle Royal. It's billed as Raw versus SmackDown in a Battle Royal. A little bit odd. I wasn't sure of the rules of the match. Does that mean if it comes down to two or three SmackDown stars that the entire group wins? Do they continue fighting? Apparently it didn't matter because we got 18 guys out there, nine Raw, nine SmackDown, and it's every man for himself. There's SmackDown guys throwing SmackDown guys out, Raw guys throwing Raw guys out. I'll run down the list just to show my appreciation for them going out there and putting together some form of a wrestling match. We see The Miz come out, and he's Money in the Bank winner. I forgot that he had beaten Otis for that just a month ago. So shows you how well... I'm keeping this shit in my memory banks, this this current product of the WWE. But it's Miz and John Morrison, Umberto Carrillo, Angel Garza, Shelton Benjamin, Cedric Alexander, Elias, Jeff Hardy, and Ricochet of Raw, SmackDown's Ziggler, Bobby Roode, Buddy Murphy. He's Buddy Murphy again. He has a first name once more. Rey Mysterio, Dominic Mysterio, Chad Gable, Apollo Crews, Nakamura, and Kalisto. I was a little shocked where Cesaro's missing. I don't know if he's injured. I don't really... I, are they just phasing him out of the whole tag team with Nakamura? I don't know. Uh, Battle Royal gets going. Here's the eliminations. Try to get through this. I got all my notes here, Steve. Do you want to do this or do you want me to do this? Uh, you go right ahead, man. <laughs> okay, we get John Morrison out first by Dominic Mysterio. Kalisto out next. Cedric Alexander. Rey Mysterio out by Dolph Ziggler early on in the match. Humberto Carrillo out by Angel Garza. And this is where my notes start coming in. I put down uh, 
shouldn't they only be getting after the other brand? Which, again, that was my point. Why are guys from the same brand eliminate each other here? Confused the hell out of me. Garza out by the Hurt Business. Cedric Alexander out by Ricochet. Ricochet out by Sheamus. Or, sorry, Shelton. Uh, Shelton out by Cruz. You see the pattern here? Somebody dumps somebody, then they get dumped. Not very clever. Uh, at this point, they're doing the camera angles that they always do. You know, every uh, what's the rule? Every three seconds or is it every five seconds? They must change camera angles, you know, whatever it's been like the last few years. And they're doing this during a battle royal. So it makes it almost impossible to count the guys in the ring. So I think we're about halfway through this, though. Buddy Murphy goes out by uh, Rude. Bobby Rude out by Dominic. Dolph Ziggler out by Dominic Mysterio. Dominic Mysterio is clearing house here in this battle royal. They're really trying to get this kid over. Apollo Crews out by Nakamura with the, an Elias assist. Uh, Nakamura out by Jeff Hardy. Elias by Jeff Hardy. It's down to the final four. It's two Raw, two SmackDown. How apropos. Miz and Jeff Hardy against Chad Gable and Dominic Mysterio. Uh, Jeff Hardy out by Chad Gable. I write, why is the Miz heading? Uh, why is the Miz beating up two guys? They have, they literally have the Miz beating up both Gable and Mysterio here. I have, I, I'm not a big fan of the Miz. Uh, we see a spot where Dominic basically eliminates the Miz, but he doesn't. He rolls back into the ring and then rolls out, so he's not eliminated. And so you can already pretty much guess what's going to happen here. Dominic winds up eliminating Chad Gable. He thinks he's won. The Miz comes back in and eliminates Dominic Mysterio. I thought maybe they'd go a different route here have Dominic ready for him and, and toss the Miz too, or there's really no need to put the Miz over. And I don't know. I just, I've seen, they've been using this finish so damn much now in, in prominent positions like the Andre battle Royal women's battle Royals, Royal rumbles. We've seen, they've been doing this shit to death for the last few years. Yeah. It's the same shit, different toilet, man. I really like the, the offense at the end by Chad Gable. Mm-hmm. He, he got a little bit of time and he was showing off some really cool moves. Like those, uh, Rolling belly to bellies were awesome. Um, yeah. I mean, he clearly has a lot of talent. It's, it's just, just a unfortunate. Shame. He's yeah. a smaller guy because they're, he's never going to get the push or just the, the opportunity that he probably deserves to even be mid tier, like a intercontinental yeah. U.S. title. I know yep. those belts don't mean much, but he should be in that area. Um, agreed, agreed. And and just you know, you think back to the the old SmackDown Six or the mid two thousands, and some of the guys that were a little smaller that got that push. Vince wasn't over there. He didn't really care what was going on over there so much as he did for Raw. And some of those guys, they wound up, you know, getting over and getting utilized. And Chad Gable, like you said, based on his size. And it's funny, I didn't write that in my notes, but the minute you started talking about him, that was the exact sentence that was going to come out of my mouth. So you beat me to the punch. Uh, it's just unfortunate that he's never really going to get that. Uh, he really is impressive. And it's just a shame yeah. he is the size he is. And that's not me shitting on them. That's the way they run shit up there in their company. So yeah, battle royal. I will say too, like uh, Meltzer mentioned that there's a few guys on this roster that probably shouldn't have re-upped and went maybe to Japan mm-hmm. and worked their way back or you know done something to to get there. And Gable was one of those guys that he was kind of surprised. He figured with him being almost an Olympian wrestler that he would have that desire and motivation to go out and succeed elsewhere because what he's been given is just garbage and he's never going to get it in WWE. So he was surprised by that. And me too, personally, because I really like Chad Gable. I thought he, I think he's awesome. He's a great talent. He just, he's never going to get an opportunity. And it's sad. I kind of liken it to the old days where WWF, I mean, where you had guys who were capable of doing a variety of things you never got to see them do because they were lumped into a gimmick or a character. And back then you had about five moves you did and you went in there, you did your moves and you, and you came out and that was the end of it. And then like, yeah, I mentioned this before on, on some podcast we did where 
when they went over to All Japan, did the joint show in 1990, Rick Martell, the model character, was on that show, and he does the old spot he used to do in the AWA, the bombs away, the slingshot splash into the ring. You forget that these guys are capable of doing things because they never do them anymore. And it's kind of like Chad Gable with me. They don't use him. So every time I see him, it's like something brand new. I'm like, oh, my God, I forgot this guy's like, you know, completely talented. And you forget that, you know, until you see it every time. It's it really is unfortunate. We go to the pay-per-view. It's the final farewell of The Undertaker. It's also subtitled The Best of the Best. What a load of shit that is. (laughs) (laughs) I I did enjoy the the intro. I thought it was a little fun, the part with The Undertaker video. Just hearing Bobby Heenan's voice, Gorilla's voice, Roddy Piper's voice from Undertaker's debut. It brought back memories. It wasn't really big. It didn't really make me flashback like Undertaker memories, but it was just a really cool nod to how far back his history really goes. Yeah, I think people forget. I mean, he's had such an impressive second half to his career that people kind of forget that he even he's been around since 1990. And um, I was talking to my friends about it. I love this this video that they do. It has the Metallica song. Uh, to be honest, this is the, that's the best part of the whole show. Uh, they show it again right before he comes out uh, at the end. But um, just a really awesome video. And the cool part about Undertaker to me is that I lived his entire career. Right. I remember his debut, and I, I've seen everything that he's done. It's just awesome. He, he did uh, – it's, it's just – I don't know. It's impressive, and to think how far back he really does go is just crazy. So the show kicks off, and I realize immediately I hadn't really thought about it until we got here. It's Raw versus SmackDown this year. No NXT, so that was a one-year deal. Uh, there's probably a blessing in disguise for NXT. I don't know that they want to be part of this shit. I don't know who they have on there. The way Vince buried some of the talent last year, I, you know, with fast eliminations on some of the guys that are now called up, I don't know that they wanted to be on this show anyway. So uh, probably, like I said, a blessing in disguise for them, but just really weird. Obviously, they just used it last year to get them over because they, they were now on USA, and now I guess it just really doesn't matter. As the show gets going, it's Raw versus SmackDown. We start with a survival match. It's Team Raw, AJ Styles, Keith Lee, Sheamus, Braun Strowman, and Riddle. He's no longer Matt Riddle. He's just Riddle. Whatever. Taking on Team SmackDown, Kevin Owens, Jey Uso, King Corbin, Seth Rollins, and Otis. (laughs) The entrances here took, well, I can't say that the entrances took, but from the time the show started until the bell rang, we were 15 minutes deep into the show. The entrances probably did take over 10 minutes. Just absolutely ridiculous with no crowd there giving these guys these lengthy entrances. And here are my notes on the entrances. I hate Keith Lee's new theme. Riddle has CGI flip-flops. Amazing. Braun Strowman Express. I don't know when that started, but is it's like the new A-Train? <laughs> I don't get these ideas they have. Seamus, I wrote, uh, they're really doing this Drew thing. I know he, he gifted Drew a, a sword and a, a kilt or something along those lines. So I felt like putting Seamus in here was just keeping Seamus relevant for some sort of future deal with Drew McIntyre, which I hope not. And lastly, I wrote King Corbin. I keep forgetting he exists, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, that about sums it up. I will say I did like I like AJ's bodyguard. He's a cool. He has a cool look. And I also noticed too on these T-shirts this year they have the the networks on the back of. Them. Oh my so god! Like, yeah, like the roster. It's USA USA's versus Fox. Yes. Fox. <laughs> and I'm just like, uh, oh my god, <laughs> they can't get any more horrible. No. I did think that, I thought the AJ and. Jay Uso starting off. They have some really cool offense to start it off going. 
and, and really it kind of fell apart after that. I have no idea what the hell Seth Rollins was doing here. I, I don't, I don't understand it. the story. Yeah, it didn't make any sense to me. We'll get we'll get into eliminations real quick, and then you can kind of give me your thoughts if you have any on the actual match. So it starts off like traditional Survivor Series match. A bunch of quick tags, guys in and out. I'm, so far, I'm sold. I'm not interested, but I'm sold. I'm like, okay, at least these guys are doing the formula. They're, they're working the normal formula. Seth Rollins finally tags in about six minutes into the match, and he simply kneels down. He tur- Well, he turns his back on Sheamus, turns back around, kneels down, and allows Sheamus to bro-kick him in the face, and Sheamus gets the win, and they play it up. He's the martyr. He's the sacrifice. I don't understand the logic, what, what he was sacrificing there. He was sacrificing his team. It made no fucking sense to me. What's, this was, from that moment, I'm like, this is fucking garbage. Already, the very, the very first elimination. How do you fuck up the very first elimination in the show? We see Braun Strowman run around ringside. Now, the Braun Express, apparently, is running around ringside. He plows over the entire uh, remainder of the SmackDown team as the match continues on. We get a little Otis versus Keith Lee in there. Kevin Owens with a Lee Scott backdrop on AJ Styles. I, I had to give kudos to Lee Scott here because AJ took a really nice high bump on the backdrop from Kevin Owens. Yeah, he did. It was awesome. Kevin Owens busts out stunners galore on the entire Team Raw, except for AJ Styles, who's waiting on the apron with a phenomenal forearm. He pins Kevin Owens in 12 minutes, 15 seconds. Riddle in the ring not too long after that. Swanton type, I don't know what his damn move's called. He beats Baron Corbin in 13 minutes, 20 seconds. So it's down to Uso and Otis versus all five members of Raw. Uh, Uso kicks out on a brogue kick. I didn't see it. I looked down, I looked back up, and they sold it like maybe he grazed him with the brogue kick. I'm not really sure what happened there, but I guess he kicks out of one. Uh, gimmicks aside, I thought Otis was insane here. His, his strength. I, I know he's a wrestling champion, an amateur wrestling champion. So I, I forget that sometimes when I see the gimmick. Uh, but when he wants to bust things out, He's very impressive for his stature. Yeah, I mean, he's a short, stocky dude, and he can just he can muscle people around. He kind of reminds me of uh, like an animal type, where he just they just use their raw power just to just throw people around without help. I mean, he could right. he could probably lift anybody in that ring and just toss them if he wanted to and have fun with them uh, without help. So he's very impressive. I don't know. It's just one of those things. He's too short. He he is massive, but he's too short, and he's strapped with a gimmick that's going to hinder him for the rest of his career. And once Vince gets bored with it, which it sounds like he already has, uh, he's just going to tread water till he gets cut or let go or just leaves. I mean, well, that's just the way that it goes for the WWE these days. At least he's still making the pay-per-views at this point. So Vince hasn't gotten completely done with him quite yet anyway. I thought it was very impressive. He did an insane overhead belly-to-belly on Keith Lee. Very, very impressive stuff there. Otis with the Caterpillar on Braun Strowman. Matt Riddle, sorry, Riddle, distracts Otis. Let's Braun get back up. Power slam on Otis. Eliminates Otis in 17 minutes. It's down to Jay Uso versus all five members of Raw. Uso winds up taking all five of them out to the outside. Does a dive on the entire Team Raw. Back inside, though, numbers finally catch up to him. Uso does a dive into the ring. He's looking to drop AJ Styles, but Keith Lee instead catches him and nails a sit-out last ride for the win in 19 minutes. My first note here is, what the fuck? A big fuck you to Fox, I guess as the entire Team Raw celebrates and eliminates the entire Team SmackDown. I really don't even understand the point of this. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, I like the story that they were trying to tell in commentary with Jey Uso, uh, where he's like Roman's making him try to earn the respect of the, the brand and do all that. 
uh, that he had to survive for SmackDown or he's going to pay from Roman. But, yeah, I, I don't know. This match was, like, outside of that opening sequence with AJ and Jey Uso, like, I, it wasn't very good. And it's just a trend for the night, to be honest with you. It set the stage for what was to come, for sure. Yeah. And here's more of what's to come. It's the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, the Street Profits, taking on the Raw Tag Team Champions, New Day, with Big E. Uh, this seems like a brand issue. It's <laughs> Is this a brand issue? Yes, it is. Uh, they come out to the ring dressed what I thought initially was fucking looking Transformer-looking things, but apparently they're advertising some video game they're in, which is why they're all together. They're all in the video game, and they're in, the, in this gear for years five. I don't know a whole lot about that game, but they're in the it's game. A, uh, <laughs> it's an Xbox exclusive, uh, Gears of War 5. It's a pretty fun game. It's kind of like uh, it's just a shooter. Gotcha. Um, but Batista's in it now, too. He actually plays the main character in like the remastered version of it. So they must have some sort of deal with WWE or something. So it's not a bad game. It's pretty fun. I thought they looked pretty cool just because I know Gears and that chainsaw gun that Xavier was carrying is a pretty sweet weapon. <laughs> well, uh, that's more than I knew. So there, you've added your, your expertise to that part of the <laughs> show anyway. It's the Street Profits with a promo before they come out. They put over The Undertaker and then they put over this match here. They're on their way to the ring. Few decent moves in the match. New Day wind up getting very boring heat on Ford. Hot tag to Dawkins. Dawkins hits a what I what I call a double underhook into a corkscrew neckbreaker. I really don't know what to call it. It's uh you know Goldust used to hit that corkscrew suplex. It's almost like that, but w- with a double underhook involved. It was really nice looking. I just called it the butterfly crossroads. <laughs> it looked like it was like I, a I butterfly suplex into the crossroads. I don't. I don't it was really yeah, cool. It was, yeah. Uh, Ford ends up walking up his own partner Dawkins and hits a sliced bread on Woods. Another decent move there. The New Day hit the midnight hour on Montez, but they only get a two count because it wasn't Big E involved in the move, and half of the move is the big ending here. Ford with a frog splash, but he has injured ribs, so he can't cover immediately and winds up only getting a two count on Kofi Kingston. New Day make the comeback. SOS on Ford. Woods with a missile dropkick on Dawkins, but it's not over there. Ford ducks Trouble in Paradise from Kofi, turns around, nails Kofi with his own Trouble in Paradise, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. And super blockbuster from the top rope off the shoulders on Woods and the Street Profits get the win in 14 minutes. This was, other than a few nice, really nice spots, this was a very, very boring, boring match. It's almost like they told, it felt like we were a throwback 40 years ago and this was the opener. Go out there, do some rest holds and you know kill some time is what it felt like outside of the the hot the big hot spots that we got here and there i I thought it was actually pretty good this is probably the best match on the card i think anyway Uh, i thought the the new day did the right thing and you know they was working the rib cage because they know montez likes that frog splash uh they told a decent story it's it's definitely a throwback to like an old school tag match or the typical WWE tag match. And I liked it. I, I liked the big moves that they did at the end. It wasn't overdone. It wasn't overkill as far as what they were doing. Maybe I was just half paying attention. <laughs> so it didn't ever really lag for me. Uh, I did like the offense and, and just the story that they were telling in the match. I thought it was really good. Yeah. I mean, it was okay. The last two or three minutes picked up. Uh, and like I said, the spots were cool, but there was a long period there where it was just rest holds or wear down holds, whatever you want to call them. And, Psychology-wise, whatever, I'm not here to see that in the second match of the night with two tag teams that are 
there's nothing on the line. I, I just want to see you guys get in there, put on a decent match. I'm not saying go spot monkey on me, but go in there, do a few things, tell a story, go home. I guess they did tell a story, just not the story I wanted told. And we go backstage. It's Team Raw, the women of Team Raw. And poor Lana, she stands outside of the other four as they, they continue to talk about what they're going to do tonight. And Lana's not allowed to be tagged into the match because Nia Jax just hates her. She's a loser, to quote Nia Jax. And back to the ring for everyone's favorite match on the card. This is where we Skyped each other for a little bit, I believe. I remember having conversation with you during this particular match. It's U.S. champion Bobby Lashley with the entire Hurt Business in his corner for whatever reason, taking on Intercontinental champion Sami Zayn, who must no longer be with Nakamura and Cesaro. I don't see anybody out here for Sami Zayn, the second coming of Fidel Castro. Uh, what a gimmick here by Sami Zayn. And uh, so I wrote right away, what the fuck is going on with the broadcast booth? I don't know if you paid attention, but every time they, they change matches, they change the broadcast booth. It was like musical chairs. They just worked one guy in, another guy out. It just seemed to happen all night. But for some reason, I felt like Corey Graves was out there for every fucking match. Well, yeah, fun. Corey was out there the whole time. But to be honest with you, man, these commentators, they all sound the exact damn same. So I don't even pay attention. Like Tom Phillips, Michael Cole, Byron Saxton, Samoa Joe, they all say the same stupid shit over and over. So it, it doesn't do anything to me. It's just there. It's background noise. And that's just how terrible I just, the I just didn't see the point in changing them. them. I, it was my point. My point was just why? Why change them? They all they all do sound the same. So why, why are we playing rotating chairs here? It just seems I, ridiculous. I have no idea. So this Get is the first the time show, I, I this is the first time I paid attention to the new U.S. title, and I wrote "What the fuck again?" I don't. It looks like complete shit. <laughs> Who okay's these things? I actually like it. Really? Uh, it, if you look it up, if you look at it closely up close, and really get the idea of what they're what they're going with there, uh, I really enjoy. It. I always thought the old one, the one that was right before this, was just cheap and second rate. I, I yeah, get the flag and everything. Right, and nothing's like there's nothing better than the WCW one that Rick Rude had, and and, and those guys that the Benoit's of the world and Booker T's and those guys that had it. That is by far the best U.S. title, but this one it, it's pretty cool if you see it up close. Uh, it's less gaudy, and, and I think it fits. I'm actually a fan of all the new title changes. I like the new IC belt. I like the U.S. title. Uh, I, I've been a big fan of the Universal and World titles for a while. I think they're very not gaudy. It's just it looks more respect respectful, I guess. I don't know, but that's too much talk about belts. <laughs> no, it's better to talk about belts than this match, which is all Bobby Lashley all the time. The Hurt Business surround the ring for the entire match. Sami Zayn even rolls out of the ring at one point and tries to get the Hurt Business to hit him so that he can win by disqualification. Clever idea. It doesn't work. They don't fall for it. Bobby Lashley winds up finally getting posted. You think Sami Zayn's finally going to get some offense, but he doesn't. Uh, back in the ring, Sammy tries for the Huluva kick, runs right into a choke slam into a spine buster. Best way I could describe it, he goes about seven, eight feet in the air in a choke slam and drove down into a spine buster by Bobby Lashley. Zane back out of the ring again. He tries to trip over MVP's foot in order to draw a disqualification. I'm not sure if MVP purposely tripped him or if he played it up, but the referee didn't see it anyway. So Zane gets thrown right back into the ring, right into the hurt lock. Match went 7.45. Seven minutes and 45 seconds of just pure awful shit. This was just terrible. Yeah, dude, I, this was... I can't stand Sami Zayn. Uh, dude, he's just so annoying. I hate the way he sells. His facial expressions are just horrible. He just needs to go away. And I actually enjoy Bobby Lashley. 
it's just unfortunate. He's as bland as dry as bread. I mean, he's so boring. But his offense is – I like his moveset. It's just he's so boring that you can't even get into it. Yeah, you can have the most spectacular moveset on earth. If you have no personality whatsoever, and I don't even mean a character. I just mean any bit of personality as a human being. I, I can't get into you. And I've had this conversation with my brother. A million, every time Bobby Lashley's on a show, a pay-per-view, and I speak with my brother afterwards the next day or the couple days later, at some point when we're running down the card as we're discussing it, it comes to a Bobby Lashley match, and it's the same conversation every time. How is this guy on fucking TV? Does he look like a million bucks? Absolutely. Does he have all the strength in the world and the MMA credentials? Yes. Uh, he's a believable fighter. But he's just so fucking boring. He does nothing for your company. He does nothing because nobody gives a shit. I don't care if you can beat people up in MMA. You're not Brock Lesnar. Do you, you have the ability to do the things Brock Lesnar does? Absolutely. I'm not taking that from him. But he just doesn't have no, there's no explosiveness to him. You have to remember, this is a guy who, when he was here in his first tenure, when he used to come out to the ring, they would put up all these adjectives on the screen for his entrance. And one of the words was humble. So here you have this big badass jacked up dude, and it's like power, strength, humble. Like, who the, what the fuck is this? And here he is, you know, playing yeah. the heel. But I don't know the heel Bobby Lashley from the base, face Bobby Lashley because he doesn't do anything different. If we're just talking what his capabilities are, okay, that's fine. But if I can never see this guy in the ring again, I'd be happy. I, I just—I will say though, his uh, his main event at WrestleMania 23 was like the highest grossing WrestleMania for the longest time. So, yeah, that was all Lashley. <laughs> I know, I know, he drew that house. Uh, yeah, man, him and Omaga, buddy. <laughs> I was there for that one. Omaga, um, you manga. I, that was my says, guy. Says my William guy. Regal. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, it, was, it was obviously Trump and McMahon sold that show, but still, it's unfortunate, man, because he doesn't have that attitude, that badass attitude that Brock Lesnar has. Just don't mess with me. The stories are out there of Lesnar, basically telling people to leave me the hell alone and, and things like that. He just—he's not a dickhead. He, he seems like a nice guy. So everything that you would want in a, in a look for a champion and a mm -hmm. guy to run your company as be the top of your company. Lashley has, he just doesn't have charisma. He doesn't have it, whatever it is. It, he's, he's, I don't know, man. It's, it stinks because he's good. Yeah. I mean, he checks all the boxes and he's even, uh, other than having a personality. I, I mean, he doesn't even have to cut a promo when you can do what he does, like, like a Brock Lesnar and have that ability and have those credentials and look like you do. You don't need to cut a promo. It's not like a Ricky Steamboat where, you know, you're a technical wrestler and you're terrible at a promo, so it's more obvious. He doesn't really have to say a whole lot. He can do all of his talking in the ring. As a stand-up gentleman, the dude looks like he comes off as about as professional as you can be as a, uh, and it's kind of a human being as you can be. I'm not shitting on Bobby Lashley, the human being. I'm shitting on Bobby Lashley, the professional wrestler. I, I don't need him on my screen. And I hate to say that because he's such a nice guy, but I don't, I don't need him. He's talented as hell. He's just in the wrong era. He'd be perfect in the 80s with a talking head manager like a, a Heenan or, or somebody like that that can get some heat on him, get him over, and he just goes in there and just beats the shit out of people. He would have worked. Yeah, that probably would have worked. I could see that look. Early 90s. You know, it's nice as he is, though. It might have took him a couple years to work on an angry face. But other than that, I think, yeah, I think you're right. It would have worked in, in the 80s. Yep. 
Backstage promo, it's the Usos, Jimmy and Jay talking. I'm sure Jay's blaming Jimmy for all this horse shit, for getting all these damn DUIs and whatever. So now Jay's lumped into the storyline with uh, Roman Reigns, cousin Roman Reigns here. Paul Heyman walks over. Roman Reigns follows. Reigns is mad. Usos team lost against Team Raw. Uso points out, dude, it was down. It was five on one. I did what I could. Roman Reigns says they lost because the team didn't respect Uso. They don't fear Uso. They don't respect Uso, which means they don't respect Roman Reigns. I don't know the logic behind that, but that's what Reigns says. And there's no room at Jay Uso uh, at Roman Reigns' table. And he basically tells Jay to hit the bricks and go find Jimmy and get drunk and drive around or take an Uber maybe this time. Maybe they've learned their lesson. I hate to lump Jay into Jimmy's problems. I guess that's not really fair. Back to the ring. No, it's not. But, <laughs> but, but oh, it sounded well. funny. So back to the yeah. ring. It's Raw Women's <laughs> Champion Asuka taking on SmackDown Women's Champion Sasha Banks. And this is how bad business has gotten. I forget who all the champions are all the time. I remembered Sasha had one of the belts. Which one? I, I thought it was SmackDown. So I was right. Totally forgot Asuka was even Raw Champion. I, I, that's more of a me thing, I guess. I just... They don't do anything to make me want to remember anything. So Asuka to the ring. Then it's tuba music leads Sasha Banks. I'm pleading with the WWE. Please bring back her old music, please. It's Sasha Banks to the ring. We get a match. I like the early part of the match. Lots of back and forth on the ground, going for submission holds, going for their finishers, pinfall combinations. Then it starts to get a little slow. I wasn't really pleased with the middle of the match. Nothing really wrong with it, though. It was very back and forth, not a lot of uh, one person working over the other one for too long, which kept it a little more entertaining that way. Lots of trading pinning combinations there at the end as things picks up, and Sasha winds up getting the pin on Asuka. 15, or no, 13 minutes was the match. Uh, it was a match. Yeah, it was just here. I, I, I don't know if it's, this, this whole idea with Raw versus SmackDown has played its role. It, it's done and over with because oh, yeah. these guys, within three months of getting drafted, they're freaking on each other's shows and things like that. So it's pointless. There's really no rivalry at all. It it made sense when they first did it this way because there was that rivalry. They were separated. They stayed separated. Right. And uh, you're talking about the first first time we had a brand split, not this era. Yeah, not this this era. Absolutely not. It it was kind of cool and different. But now it it just feels like they're forced into these matches that they don't want to do. And – you got to protect each of them because these are your champions. I like the idea of, you know, champion versus champion. But at the end of the day, one of them has to do the job. And you can't have a clean finish. Like, Asuka got rolled up. She got caught. That's pretty much it. You, she doesn't lose anything. The Street Profits, I mean, I, I would say the Street Profits had the biggest clean win out of the whole card. Yeah. Um, that makes sense, too, because I'm sure the New Day are more than happy to put those guys over and kind of pass the torch. So that made sense a little bit. So you're just painted into a corner with these matches and you get very lackluster matches where they're just actually wrestling instead of you know an actual story behind them and they come off very boring this whole show was nothing but boring it was just bland they were going through the motions because it's just a throwaway pay-per-view because they don't they're stuck in this gimmick that they've made for themselves yeah and i hate to shit on the on the, uh, on the guys that are actually in the ring but that was one note i didn't take earlier that i, I think i mentioned to you on on skype just in passing, was that first match, the 10-man tag, the, the men's 10-man tag, it felt like there was no thought whatsoever put into the match. Like, they all just walked to the ring and said, we'll call it in the ring, which is okay when you're going one-on-one or, or a tag match, but 10 guys, an entire team needs to be... Do I think that everything was planned out beforehand? 
yeah, it probably was. And that's the sad and scary part of it all, because I'm not trying to disrespect anyone involved, but it really felt like everyone was just out there going through the motions. I just, I didn't feel that sense of going out there and putting on a, you know, a clinic or or just putting on like doing your best. It just felt like another day at the office, like a house show. And none of these matches, like, like I don't give a shit about Bobby Lashley or Sami Zayn. Like, I get their champions, but no, nobody cares about those guys. And like, we've been watching on the Grenade, and even on the Monday Night Warfare show, where you're, you know, you have two good guys in the ring. I, can't, I think it was, uh, it was Eddie Gilbert and Tommy Rich. Mm-hmm. They went to a 15 minute match, and they're friends, and they obviously, but they, you, you expect friends to. Get the heat. Oh, I want to win. You know what? Screw this. Oh, I'm throwing everything in caution to the wind, and I'm going to start throwing punches and getting a fight. You never got that here. It was just nothing but a lot of wrestling, very boring rest holds, uh, very bland and basic as basic gets. And uh, you didn't even get that aspect where you have a friend against a friend, and you want to see them just beat the hell out of each other. But eventually, after you know five or ten minutes, somebody throws a right hand, and all right, business is picking up. We never got that either. So. Again, it's no knock on these guys. It's just that's what this card brings, and it's not very yeah. entertaining. It's definitely, like you said earlier, not on the show, but to me and Skype, that this is not the Survivor Series that we all grew up with and loved. Uh, <laughs> that's 25, maybe 30 years old, gone. So, yeah, and I and, I, and um, I, I held on, even when it wasn't good anymore, I held on in 93, 94, 95, maybe even 96. I, I think I held on I, just to the tradition. The spirit of Survivor Series, but it's still been more than 20 years. It's long gone. It's the ship has sailed. And a lot of that's also because there's so much competitive shit on Raw and SmackDown. And we've already basically seen every combination of everyone wrestling everyone to a degree. I mean, when you get things like uh, Otis and Keith Lee, you kind of, oh, okay, I'll watch this for a minute. That's something different. But that's what Survivor Series was all about back then was you never saw any of these matchups unless you went to a house show or or it was on another pay-per-view some some sort of at one point yeah. in time or Saturday night's main event, maybe. But other than that, you never saw all these pairings. So even when you got like Coco in there with DiBiase, it was like, Oh, well this is different. You know? So it was, yeah, everything yeah. was a treat. And now it's like, I don't give a shit. I probably have, I seen all these guys against each other. Probably. I don't know. I, everybody's it's just, you can mix and match. It doesn't mean anything anymore. Yeah. I mean, it'd be cool as hell. You know, it's not hard to get four feuds going. And you have yeah. one on one side, one on the other side, and then yeah. you can get some heat on these matches. It's not hard to do. And I even like we, we talked about Otis a little bit here. I can see Otis. You know what? I want a, I want a team name. I, that sounds like that fit his gimmick. I'm trying to come up with a team name, bring back the Survivor Series names, and you know, like the Rudes Brew, Rowdies, Roddies, things like that. The Ultimate Warriors, just those unique names that kind of bring them together. Things like that. I could see Otis like throwing it out there next year or something. Like, you know what? I want my own team. Like, I don't know, whatever the hell you want to come up with, he can do it. And start a feud. You know, have a small feud with him and three other guys that are mid tier, and then get the heels on one side, the faces on the other, and let them go at it. Get some heat on these matches. This, yeah. like I said, this has played its part, and it's time. It's time to move on. Either get rid of the pay per view altogether which I don't think they'll do because it's a big four or come up with something better than this because this is shit. It's always possible. I mean, Vince wanted to get rid of it years ago and I forgot the reason they decided to keep, keep it going. I don't know. It is what it is. They're certainly never going to go back to the way it was. Like you said, even if it was just feuds, uh, they're never going to do that because they can't really settle on feuds long enough to plan ahead. So uh, anyways, we'll move on with the show. 
And the tradition continues, not the Survivor Series tradition, not the Thanksgiving tradition, but the tradition of the 24-7 title changing hands. So if you thought the gobbledygooker was leaving here with the belt, you thought wrong. There's a trail of birdseed. I'm not making this shit up. A trail of birdseed backstage, and the gobbledygooker's wandering wandering along down the hallway, and he's got his belt, and he sees his birdseed. Uh, oh, a piece of candy. Oh, a piece of candy. He's following the birdseed into a big pile of birdseed. And who's there, but it's Akira Tozawa, and he attacks the bird and, and beats him uh, with uh, the ninja referee. I don't know who he is, but apparently there's a ninja referee as the rights to be a referee. And so Tozawa wins the belt for a moment until he gets hit with a bag of birdseed. And R-Truth pins Tozawa as the announcers claim R-Truth is now a 45-time 24-7 champion. What started off as a potentially good idea based on the USA Network wanting this belt to be uh, returned to the company, turned into a comedy routine immediately, and it's, it's more than served its purpose at this point. But they just continue on. And Vince just loves the shit out of him some hard truth. I guess. Oh, Lord. Where's Drake Maverick at? Who? Where is, is he? That ship sailed. Is he there? He's in NXT, I think. Oh. Okay. He's in NXT. <laughs> Drake Maverick did a lot of that stuff on his own according to, to the melts and he made those own like 24 seven title missing signs. And he really took the ball and ran with it and made it kind of funny and popular at the beginning. But yeah, I'm with you, man. It's ran its course. It just needs to go away. 10 woman tag. It's team raw versus team SmackDown team SmackDown, Bianca Belair, Ruby riot, Liv Morgan, Bailey and Natalia taking on team raw. That's Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, Baszler, Lana, Lacey Evans and Peyton Royce. And Evans and Royce are last-minute replacements for Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose. Mandy Rose is legit injured, so they wrote both of them out. How lucky for Dana Brooke. I guess she can't work the show unless her partner is there. And they've been partners for all of, like, what, a month? So (laughs) they write them both out. They give Mandy Rose an an arm injury, which I believe that's what she actually has. And then Dana Brooke (laughs) apparently gets a concussion based on the video, although they don't announce it as such. So they show a video here, which I, I didn't know anything about this until they actually showed it. I couldn't believe it, that apparently Lana has been Samoan dropped through an announce table nine times by Nia Jax at this point, and she's still cool with teaming with her. Uh, I wrote, what the fuck? Nia Jax has put this down that Lana is not allowed to tag in. She's a loser. She can't win. She, she's going to cost it for their team. So she tells the entire team, don't let her tag in. As the match gets started, I, here's some notes I took real quick. Baszler about knees and or kicks Ruby Riot's face off at one point. I think Riot, it might have been Riot's fault. It looked like she was supposed to duck, and she didn't. And she caught it right in the face. I thought she was going to have her nose broke there. Lana tags herself in. Uh, she does some shit, then she tags out, and they make her stand <laughs> stand on the steel steps for the rest of the match. They bully Lana. She has to stand on the steel steps for the re- remainder of the match. She even cries about it initially. People are missing moves constantly in this match. It was embarrassing and scary. Embarrassing because it was clear they were missing moves. Scary because there was a few times where I thought somebody was going to get crippled here. And I thought if they didn't start getting some of these girls out of the ring, there was no way somebody we were getting out of this match without a, a serious injury. And one of those injuries, I thought for sure, Peyton Royce goes to the top rope with Bailey and suplexes her out onto the floor onto all these standing and waiting ladies who none of them catch them. I mean, they drop faster than a sack of potatoes from the top rope all the way down to the, the, the mat outside. Everybody seemed to be okay, but just why? Why do this in front of nobody? Yeah, you could hear the thud when Bailey hit. Uh, I think Peyton did get caught a little bit, but Bailey just smacked the ground, and it did yeah. not sound good at all. 
No, I mean, it was uh, clear. There's a difference in in timing from when you hit people and you go down slowly. You know, it's, it breaks your fall and there was no uh fall being broken here. Bailey just boom from the top rope. Yeah. What a, what a trooper, but I'm sure that's not what she signed up for either. No, absolutely not. Uh, right after that spot, Peyton Royce sends Bailey back into the ring, hits a corkscrew suplex. Uh, the Goldust does this move. Uh, I'm not sure what it was called. She has her own name for it, but Peyton Royce pins Bailey here, which was a shocker. Bailey, the first one out in 10 minutes. 10 minutes into the match, we get our first elimination. Uh, Natty then tries to go for some sort of a weird submission hold leg lock that I've never seen done before. And I'm like, boy, she's having a tough time putting this thing on. And as she turns it over, she completely loses Peyton Royce, her legs. So Natty has to call an audible and puts Royce in the sharpshooter instead. Winds up getting the win there. It almost looked like that um, Bolnacano finisher where she wrapped the legs and they grabbed the arms. Because she was grabbing the arms when she was turning around. So it makes you wonder if that's what she was going for or something similar to that. Right. But yeah, as soon as she turned around, the legs crumbled and Peyton's little legs just separated and probably not the first time. There there it all goes. Yeah. Well that's Sean Spears' woman, so um That's what he said. <laughs> good for him, I guess. She's pretty hot. Yeah, I'll take it. So Natalia winds <laughs> up screwing up whatever move she was looking for here and like I said, calls an audible locks in the sharpshooter. Peyton Royce taps. 11 minutes into the match. Natalia tries a sharpshooter on Baszler as well, but Lacey Evans is the legal woman, so she nails the women's right, right in Natty's face, knocks her clear out, and Natty goes down to the women's right in 11 minutes, 45 seconds. This is another scary moment. Lacey Evans to the top row with Bianca Belair for the Spanish fly, and I wrote, someone's going to die. I wrote that before the move was completed. I thought maybe I could, if I wrote this, it won't happen. So, (laughs) So... Luckily, I'm not saying it was the safest landing of all time, but luckily everyone was okay here. Uh, it seemed like anyway. Those two are pretty athletic. So uh, I'm always nervous on the Spanish fly. I mean, I don't know why. It's, it's a very dangerous move. She did okay. Uh, I was surprised. Nia Jax tags back in, and now she thinks she's Andre the Giant. She's no-selling to the point where you think she is 7 feet 4 or 500 pounds. She's swatting. The girls away. She's swatting Liv Morgan away, Ruby Riot away. She's no selling, basically. She's a free bird from the late eighties, early nineties, I suppose. And then and then all of the eliminations begin occurring. Boom, 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 boom. Uh Baszler on Riot with a chokeout. I don't know what the hell happened here. This was another moment where I simply turn my head, I come back, the announcers are confused. I hear a three count, but it's there's no elimination. They're talking about somebody being choked out. So there was something weird that happened here. The way I understood it post-spot, the way it was re-explained by the announcers was maybe Ruby Riot had Baszler beat, but the referee was late to the count. And then yeah. Riot winds up getting choked out here in 17 minutes. Again, I missed it, but there was definitely some com- confusion there in the ring and by the announcers when this spot originally took place. Well, she had the care for you to clutch on it and ruby kind of did the flip back and had her pinned down like she's pinning herself yeah uh but the ref was distracted by nia jacks and by the time the ref turned around she was still in the chokehold and he got a two count and that's when she kind of just fell over she got choked out air quotes and right. let go of the hold and got off of her and she didn't get the pin in time so i, I think they played it off as they were confused, but it, it looked like it went off the way it was supposed to. Okay. 
Liv Morgan with a crucifix bomb eliminates Lacey Evans in 18 minutes. Nia Jax over Liv Morgan. I actually missed this finish. I'd ask my kids what happened. I had to run upstairs to go pick my son up from work. So this was the only spot in the match that I missed, though. I, I popped my, turned it back on on my phone while I was driving. I saw it caught the rest of the match, unfortunately. Uh, so Nia Jax apparently eliminated Liv Morgan. I wrote, they told me with a Samoan drop here, had to be around the 19-minute mark, I would have guesstimated there. Yeah, that sounds about right. And then from there, we get the stupid, old-timey Survivor Series. Tried and true, if there was one tradition they didn't need to keep, it was these next few eliminations here. To protect Shayna Baszler, she decides to get herself, to, she doesn't know she get herself disqualified, but she locks in her, her chokehold there on, what was it? It was a Bel Air. And they get to the ropes, and she refuses to release it. So what happens? She gets disqualified. Then she plays stupid. Had she did it intentionally to set her up to get pinned by Nia Jax, I would have bought that. But to do this and not realize you got yourself disqualified, absolutely silly. So Shayna Baszler gets disqualified here in 22 and a half minutes. And then lastly, and I really didn't see this coming, because remember, if we go back to the beginning of the match, Lana is not allowed to be tagged in. She's still standing on the steps. She's not even allowed on the apron. And so she's standing out there on the steps, not getting involved in the match. And I'm sitting here thinking, like, the finish is going to be, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come down to, to Lana and um, Bel Air here. Either Lana's going to do the job after a few spots, or somehow she's going to get some weird maneuver on her and, and luck into a win. And all is right in the world. This loser Lana, she did right by herself, and she can stand tall and proud. That's not the story we get here whatsoever, because this is WWE. So instead, Bel Air and Nia Jax get countered out together. And Lana's just standing there on the steps and realizes, oh, I won. What a shit finish. As Bel Air and Nia Jax double count out 23 and a half minutes. 23 and a half minutes to get to this finish. <laughs> yeah, this was uh, pretty terrible. A lot of missed spots. I thought Peyton Royce looked really good for the most part. I know she messed up maybe a couple things there. What actually what she did wasn't really her fault. Uh, it was the everybody else around her that didn't catch them and, and things like that. Yeah. I thought with her pinning Bailey that she was going to get. I know she's been rumored to have a push. That's why they broke her and Billy Kay up. I thought that's where they were heading, and then she taps out to Natalia like almost immediately afterwards. So that didn't make a lot of sense to me. The finish was terrible. I thought. Shayna Baszler just seems like she's completely disinterested in everything that she's doing. Uh, even when she comes out and does like her little ace thing that she did, it, it just looks like she doesn't even care. It was very anticlimactic. I'm not a huge fan of Shayna Baszler, but NXT Shayna Baszler was a monster. She was she was amazing. She put on some hell of her matches, and she was over. And she was that can't be heel that that you need in in a division like that. And ever since she's been called up. The Royal Rumble, ever since the Royal Rumble last year, she's been completely botched. And, yeah, it's just a shit show, and uh, that match was. And uh, you can tell she's – I don't know if she's frustrated with her situation or, or what the deal is, but it just looks like she's just there. She's not happy. I, I could be completely wrong. I don't know. But uh, the finish, I, I thought it was ridiculous. I, I, I'm with you, man. I thought Bel Air was going to get back in the ring and – Lana was just going to get her comeuppance because they really want to push Bianca, I guess. But that didn't happen. This was a completely terrible finish. And Nia, even after the match, didn't even go in and attack Lana. Lana just like rubbed it in her face that I won on the Survivor. And then they cut to commercial. I was expecting Nia to get in there and just beat the brakes off of her. That didn't happen either. So I, I don't know. This was terrible. 
Yeah, you couldn't have booked uh, the finish to be more questionable. It was just like, I who who came up with this finish? Like, you had 14 finishes you could have done here, and 13 of them would have made sense. <laughs> you go yeah, with the one much. that made the least amount of sense possible out of all of this. So it's just, uh, it was terrible. Fucking awful. I had, a, I had to throw back to Survivor Series 91 when everybody got disqualified except for the one man that wasn't in the ring, Ric Flair. And that was new then, and it sucked, and I hated that shit when it happened. But it was still 20 times better than this shit here. Yeah, I guess, man. Yeah, that, that finish in 91 still doesn't make any sense to me. No, it was just a cheap cop-out cop way. I mean, somebody fucking yeah. pinned Virgil, for God's sakes. Anyways, <laughs> it's, it's the main event. WWE champion Drew McIntyre taking on Universal champion Roman Reigns. Thank you, Drew McIntyre, for beating Randy Orton on Raw. I don't know that I could handle a Roman Reigns-Randy Orton match. Those are my least two. I, I'm not shitting on Roman, but his matches go so long that I know I can go do things, come back, and miss nothing, basically. And Randy Orton, I mean, that's just that's a given. So yeah. them two against each other, I don't, I don't know if I could have made it through there without falling asleep. But we get this match, and this is really no different. It's a little faster paced than Randy Orton, but it's still your typical WWE main event of this era. We see a bunch of back and forth stuff. Drew McIntyre early on the story is Roman Reigns can't get the upper hand. Even when he's in control, he can't keep Drew McIntyre down. It's back and forth shit. I really didn't even take any notes to the last few minutes of the match because it really didn't matter up, up until the last few minutes of the match. And Roman Reigns with the Samoan drop on Drew McIntyre through the table, which would have been impressive if they hadn't shown video footage of Nia Jax doing it to Lana nine times before Roman Reigns does it here to Drew McIntyre, right? So that is what right. it is. Roman did follow it up with a spear through the barricade on Drew McIntyre, but still only gets a two count. And they're back in the ring, and McIntyre goes for the Claymore kick, nails it on Roman Reigns, but the referee, what an idiot referee, stands directly behind Roman Reigns and winds up getting nailed and takes the ref bump to the floor. So we go into the finish. Here comes Jay Uso running out. He gets nailed off the apron initially by Drew McIntyre, but Drew turns around, catches a low blow from Roman, Uso's back up, super kick on Drew McIntyre, who turns into a Superman punch and the guillotine choke once Roman could finally wrap his legs around McIntyre. And we eventually get a new referee in the ring to call it quits. I guess uh, Drew was pa had passed out and the match goes 25 minutes. Roman Reigns wins the match and then meets Jay Uso at the top of the ramp and they actually hug. They, they embrace one another. So Jay Uso, the story, and if this was a different world and I actually gave a shit, at least the story would mean he's finally accepted by Roman, or at least he feels like he's finally being accepted by the head of the table, if you will. So I feel like I should like this a little bit. Like they're at least trying, the, the guys involved are trying, but I, I just can't get into any of this shit because of the way the entire company is right now. I was talking to my friends and Roman Reigns is really the coolest thing in wrestling right now. I've kind of always been a fan. I remember when they first debuted, I kind of pointed him out. I was like, yeah, that's going to be Vince's next guy right there. They're going to try their hardest to make him the next top guy after Cena. And so I've kind of always been a fan since then. And this right here is the best work he's done in quite a while. I mean, he's worked himself into tremendous shape. He looks awesome. He looks like a million bucks. He's believable. And I like the story. Uh, Uso doesn't have any business being anywhere near Roman Reigns as far as on the card or anything like that, just because that's how he's just been portrayed as a tag wrestler this whole time. So it's kind of hard to believe that. 
but fighting for your family's respect is something that kind of almost everybody goes through in real life. Like, I want my dad's respect. I want my mom's respect, things like that. So that, that is something that everybody can relate to, to a degree. Me personally, I just compartmentalize. I know the company shit. It's bad for the most part. But if I can find one or two things that are decent, that have a consistent, you know, story that's being told that's not being messed up along the way, then I, I can get into that a little bit. And that's kind of where I am with Roman Reigns um, and, and what they're doing with Jey Uso. Uh, the one thing I, I will say, I'm kind of ready for them to expand it a little bit. They need to get try and get more people because from what I've heard, they're going to try and get him like a squad uh, of people at the table. So I, I'd be interested to see some maybe an outsider trying to get in and rub elbows with the greatness that is Roman Reigns. And uh, I'd be interested in seeing something like that. Yeah, this match is what it is. It was very basic. The piped-in sound was garbage. It was really noticeable in this match. I also liked the armbar. I think it was McIntyre did on Roman out of the spear. He went for that spear and caught him in the armbar. When they came down, he had that armbar locked in. It was really cool. It was pretty well done. And then the finish... Drew got up on his feet and kind of held Roman there, but he passed out. Right. It was a nice way to keep him, uh, keep him over, keep him strong. And Roman just caught him. And plus, Roman had to cheat, obviously, with Uso in the low blow. So it kept McIntyre strong again. Yeah. I, I think that was one thing that they, they these finishes. Yeah. I thought the finish was fine. I thought, uh, yeah. really, really helped Drew McIntyre stay strong. I don't think it hurt Drew at all here. Roman Reigns' character continues on, so I didn't really have a problem with the finish. I just hated the 25 minutes it took to get to this finish, I suppose. Just a little too long for my I taste with, with these guys involved anyway. 20 minutes have been fine with these guys, especially with no heat on the match. This is this champion versus champion, really. And we close the show with a salute, a farewell to The Undertaker. After 30 years, he debuted in Survivor Series back in 1990, and here we are in 2020. <laughs> like you said, you lived the whole thing. So did I. So it's um, kind of hard to believe. You really, It really doesn't even seem like it, it is 30 years until you look back and realize, oh my God, it was 27 years ago that he wrestled Billy Gante, John Gonzalez. It was 28 years ago that he wrestled Kamala. It was 29 years ago that he beat Hulk Hogan at Survivor Series. So it's uh yeah, it's a crazy thing. And they they start the segment off, they bring out a bunch of Taker's old rivalries or or and legends and friends and things of that nature. We see everyone from the Godwins and Savio Vega, all his buddies and Rikishi who who took about as long as the Iron Sheik did at the uh, WrestleMania X seven Battle Royal to get down there. Uh Kevin Nash was there, Mick Foley, a lot of guys uh came out to show their respect. Ric Flair, I think I don't I'm already said him, Shawn Michaels. So everybody's in the ring, Shane O'Mac. And we go to an Undertaker video. And when we come back, they're all Same gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we go to the yeah. Undertaker video, and when we come back, they're all gone. If they're at ringside, they're behind the hard camera to where you can't see them. They're no longer at ringside for all intents and purposes. And so my wife is like, where did everybody, what was the point of bringing all these people? I, I, I didn't get it either. But when we come back, it's Vince McMahon standing in the ring by himself. Oh, my God, I hate to take the... Spotlight off the Undertaker for a moment, but Vince looks absolutely terrible. I mean, he he has aged thirty years in, in the last few years, just absolutely terrible. It's I've wanted for years to get Vince back on TV, but then when I see him, I'm like, I don't want to see this, you know. So uh, maybe it's just me, but he just he looked terrible. Yeah, my two things. <laughs> 
I was going to save it till you got done going through it, but I'll just go ahead. It looks like he's on death's door. I don't want to be dramatic or, you know, that serious, but you could tell he has a lot of makeup on to um, cover how bad he really does look. I mean, I took a couple screenshots and sent them over to my friend who wasn't watching and I was like, holy shit, like, no wonder he's not on TV anymore. He can barely talk. (laughs) I mean, mean, he forgot what he was going to say, it felt like. And he was very, very emotional. You could tell he was choked up. Like, this is an end of an era for him. You could tell it's hitting him. It's hitting him pretty hard. I don't think, going looking back on it, I don't think there's any character that probably Vince has more love for than The Undertaker. It's his baby. And there's nobody as loyal to him as Undertaker is to him. So I'm sure it is emotional for him. But yeah, the, I didn't understand why they brought him all out just to send him all out. But you knew Undertaker was going to come out and gimmick and not share with anybody. And that's fine. That's what you expect. And I will say the Paul Bear piece, as cheesy as it was and corny, I thought it was cool as hell. Just eerie to see, see him there and to hear his voice again. It was very well done. It wasn't classless. It was pretty cool. And a nice way to send him out. And I'm sure he's probably drinking it up and giving those virtual fans a treat as the camera went off. But So another thing that was funny, too, when they, they introduced all of the uh, guys out there, I thought Jeff Hardy kind of stuck out like a sore thumb with all these other legends out there, too. But it was Kane. Everybody else was dressed in, the, in their suits and, uh, you know, uh, just dr- dressed up in street clothes and things. And Kane comes out and in his gear, I guess, <laughs> it's very fitting, though. It did look odd. Yeah, so to take her. So yeah, to take yeah, her. yeah. So it was. So I think I'm that was it. Recording something. something yeah, absolutely. right, right. They, yeah. they did something after the cameras went off. So. I thought Jeff Hardy looked cool because he had the Undertaker logo on his face, and he fits out there because Undertaker made him. Oh, he did that raw ladder, and that was that was my reasoning for him being out there. I just mean Jeff Hardy's from the that era after everyone else was out there basically for the most yeah. part. So it just seemed kind of funny because everybody else is a little older yeah. than Jeff Hardy, He's but yeah. So, yeah. so we get all the guys introductions. Then Vince McMahon's out there. He introduces the undertaker. The undertaker comes out. He's elevated uh, up to the apron, which looked really cool as they were doing it until the camera got a shot of the platform. He was standing on that was elevating him. And I'm like, Oh fuck. Somebody screwed up there. And he gets in the ring <laughs> And does a final salute, gets down on his knee, like you said, and then we get a CGI of Paul Bearer on the apron. Oh, yes! We hear that one final time, and he you know, reaches out to the urn, and he basically does his Undertaker deal, the, the tongue and the, eye, the eyes rolling into the back of his head and everything else he's ever done as he heads back up the ramp and raises his hand one final time. And that's, that concludes the Survivor Series pay-per-view, so... Fun little ending to the career of The Undertaker, but other than that, not not so much a hot pay-per-view. No, absolutely not. And the sad part is, is if this is really his final farewell, we know how those things go in wrestling. It's a shame it's in front of a bunch of fans on a video wall. Um, he deserves the eighty to 90,000 packed in a WrestleMania sign-off, I, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, that was so really unfortunate, having him watch him go out there and have to sell. I mean, he didn't really sell, but listen to repeated Undertaker chants and thank you Taker chants that weren't real. They were recorded from, you know, past shows and and piped in while he's sitting there saying goodbye. And my wife even asked me when we were, because she watched the Undertaker part of the show. She even asked me, why is he doing this here when there's nobody? I go, well, it's 30 years. He can't really control when 30 years is. It sounds, seems like a nice round number. I, you know, it's the virus thing. Why didn't he wait till next year? It just, 
it was 30 years and I'm sure he is done. He's doing all this other stuff now. So it just kind of really coincided. It's the right time for him. It's the wrong time in the world, but that's just yeah. the way shit works. You know, I'm hoping if they can pack a house for WrestleMania that he comes out and gives, you know, one final salute, maybe just off the camera, you know, when the show's over, everybody's done. And then all of a sudden you hear the dog. I hope it's, I hope out. it's at some point in the middle of the show when, when it's, when, when it's, uh, you know, whatever, because if it's by the end of WrestleMania, everybody there will be dead. I know, I know I am. Uh, I've, I've been to a few. I was dead. It, it's taxing. It's an all-day show. It, it's a whole-day event, and it's tiring for sure, and especially with these seven, eight-hour ones they got going. Holy hell. Whose idea so, is that? Yeah. Well, I, I'd like to see the two-day gimmick. They've kind of been batting around a little bit. We'll see how that uh, works out in the future because they're having all these new ideas. They don't want to do house shows potentially anymore and all these other things they're talking about right now. That's interesting. But let's just uh, run down the thing real quick. We had the Battle Royal with The Miz going over on the pre-show. So the Gobbledygooker wins the 24-7 title. Then Tazawa and Back to R-Truth for the 45th time throughout the course of the evening. It's the entire Team Raw that defeats Team SmackDown. A SmackDown Tag Team Champions, the Street Profits. Very impressive win over New Day. Clean pin right in the middle. Good job for New Day. They, didn't, they don't really have anything they need to do to get, get themselves over anymore at this point. I mean, they've already done everything you can do. So... I mean, it was it was time, and it was uh, really cool to see that they had no problem uh, putting the other team over there because it seems like New Day is always going over. So I was happy with that. Uh, Lashley versus Sami Zayn, absolutely irrelevant, pointless. This match didn't need to be on the show. It didn't even need to be on the pre-show, to be honest with you. It was just, I want to say it was just there, but it wasn't even just, it was not good. Mm -hmm. Definitely not. Sasha Banks surprisingly over Asuka. I can't believe this. Uh, Two in a row. For Sasha Banks over big time names Bailey and now Asuka here. I I feel like they're setting up for a major fall. Like I'm getting ready. She's gonna get punished for an entire year, jobs every week. But for for, for now, Sasha Banks looks like the the queen of the ring at least until I don't know Charlotte comes back or I don't know when Be- Becky Lynch is just getting ready to have the baby. So it won't be Becky Lynch that takes her off her uh, pedestal. But uh, we go on and it's uh, the women's team. Uh, Survivor Series team match and of course like I said we get the double count out at the end which leads to Lana doing absolutely nothing yet somehow winning completely opposite of what the Survivor Series match was supposed to be about and then finally Roman Reigns with a little help from Jey Uso with the win over Drew McIntyre and then the farewell to The Undertaker top to bottom very very boring show barring some of the stuff with The Undertaker I mean it was cool it still wasn't exciting but it was it was cool to have and the the finish of the Drew McIntyre reigns I, I liked, and I thought the tag title, the two tag team champions, the finish, final couple minutes of that match was hot too. Other than that, the entire show was just a job to get through. I mean, it, it was it was a real chore. It was very hard. Yes. It, it was tough to get through, man. I, I was complaining to you uh, yeah. about it, man. If I was like, if I wasn't doing this podcast, I would turn it off an hour ago, and that was about show started at seven, and that was about eight thirty. So. I was tapped 30 minutes in, but I made it. I got through it all. A lot of these matches, they felt like raw matches where they suck for the first 10, 15 minutes, and then you get a hot finish, and and it makes it look like it makes it appear that it was better than it really was. Uh, That's how how a lot of these single matches were. Uh, Outside of the maybe, I I think me and you differ on the New Day Street Profits. I thought that whole match was pretty solid, but maybe it's just me half paying attention. 
but yeah, all in all, it was a very underwhelming show. I, I actually enjoyed Hell in a Cell. There's some things there to enjoy. I don't even remember the one before that, but I enjoyed some of that stuff. Clash of Champions. Summer, Clash of Champions. I don't even remember that. See, like, yeah, I think they're gone after shit. a month. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, the only uh, reason I know what it was is because uh, I had the same issue earlier. I'm like, I don't remember what the hell we, what the hell we reviewed. And it took me like five <laughs> minutes and it, and it came back to me. Uh, so we got TLC next. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to throw my ring, my name in the hat on that one. We'll see. Uh, I got to see the card, but it, it looks like they're building to a Drew Orton rematch with the way he went through the table on Monday Night Raw. So that's my guess there. Hard to tell what they're going to do with Roman. So we'll see how that card shakes out before I determine if I'm going to do that one or not. But I'll most likely be here uh, on the 20th of December talking TLC with you, buddy. Hopefully you're ready. I don't know. It's tough. These are tough. They get, they get worse <laughs> each time, it feels like. I mean, least I don't know. This was yeah. certainly worse than Hell in a Cell. I enjoyed the Sasha and Bailey Cage match. Uh, yeah. At the very least, I remember that. So that's yeah. still in my head a month later. So those girls did something right. That was a hell of a match, yeah. Well, at least the World Rumble's coming around the corner. We got Elimination Chamber, WrestleMania. So at least some shows that usually have some sort of decent matches on them. So, and hopefully by January, February, March, hopefully, I don't know, something's different. Maybe they're out of the Thunderdome, maybe out on the road, things like that. So we'll see. Yes, and uh, I guess that pretty much sums it all up. Uh, there's really not a whole lot to talk about beyond the actual results of this show. Some made absolutely no sense, but it's the WWE in 2020. What are you going to do? So, Steve, man, I appreciate you forcing yourself to watch this pay-per-view. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate myself for forcing myself to watch this pay-per-view and actually have to take a few notes as well. And it helps me get through the show, to be honest with you. I get to look down at the computer screen every once in a while instead of <laughs> directly at the TV the entire time. So that that was it was what it was. And here's to hopefully the next show being a little bit better than this one. The only way to go here is up. So it's going to take a lot for the next one to be worse than this one. And so, guys, on behalf of Steve Ekstad, I'm Ray Russell saying <laughs> thank you for joining us for the Survivor Series review. And we'll see you next time on the Power Hour. Mm-hmm.